much we may have pain and how much things they go. We're trusting and believing in your word, Lord, and this will come to pass as you promised. Lord, some things may not, we may not see why we're on this side of the earth, but Lord, if you promised them, we believe them, Lord, they're coming to pass, and we thank you. We ask you to bless this service. Bless us, Lord, whoever we are and whatever we do. Let us keep you upon our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 139, beginning with verse 12. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both for light to thee. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelously are the works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee, but I was made in secret, and curiously robbed in the lowest parts of the earth. And thine eyes did see my substance. Yet unperfect, and in the book all my memories were written, which in continuous were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I sh- if I should count them, they are more in number than the sands when I awake. I am with thee. Surely thou wilt slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. And they spake against thee wickedly, and thine enemy take thy name in vain. Do not hate them, O Lord, that hate thee, and do not those that rise up against thee. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemy. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Find me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Amen. God bless you. you may be seated. can say that in our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my thoughts today. I like what David said there. He said, um, precious are the thoughts of God towards me. And a lot of times uh, the devil wants to come and we always want to have this negative thinking that God doesn't like us. God, he loves you. His thoughts of you is being manifest today. And to just um, know that this is his love letter. This is his thought about you. Always, like Brother Brown said, keep your testimony positive. Think on the positive things of God. There's so much negative things out there. Uh, This truth is what's the love of God to my heart. And so we want to come before the Lord and say, search me, O God. Let's just sing that chorus. Um, Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul in the key of elf.
Amen. Are you thankful for that this morning? If you haven't experienced that salvation, it's freely to you. No matter what you're going through, he's here with open arms. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving my Savior, we enter the glory land. Won't it be wonderful there? in the troubles and cares of this story land. Won't it be wonderful there? the superior one won't it be wonderful there oh praise and adore in the matchless eternal one won't it be wonderful will never be sweeping us won't it be wonderful there sure that forever the lord oh what an assurance won't it be wonderful
singing with our bells all ringing. Won't it be wonderful? Let's sing that last verse again. And there where the tempest will never be sweeping us. Won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us. Won't it be wonderful Oh, Zé! 
worthy of all the praise that we can give him plus amen he's worthy of all the praise we can give him plus you got angels that love to worship him but god enjoys your worship he wants the worship of his people angels worship because they were made by god himself you and I were formed, as Brother Collie read, in the lowest parts of the earth. And your thoughts were on us. His thoughts were on us before we ever even came into this world. But he didn't decide to work the plan of redemption through angels, cows, horses, through human beings. The lowest form, supposedly, that we are, he took the lowest. God's always that way. He can take one and make a million. He can take one and, and defeat a thousand. He, he's not in numbers. But he loves us. And he loves his people. And we, in turn, what? Love him back. Good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be back. Thank you all for um, hanging in there this past weekend with Brother Bob. We sure enjoyed being at Brother Martin's. It was a, um, it was a pleasure to be there. We met some really nice people. And we had a real good time brother Luis um did a good job preaching for us <laughs> let me get this where y'all can see it for us older folks better getting there uh getting there that's 391 percent that's about the best we can do all right let's 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 just read that with that so by way of announcements, uh, remember Brother Anderson. He's been WhatsApp, or uh, we've been Marco Polo and each other, and they're enjoying watching the services, and they're enjoying being in the homeland or the or the home country there. Uh, Sarah and David, they're they're kind of happy to be around Grandma's there, you know. So let's just keep them in prayer. They're about six hours ahead of us, so the time difference is a little. It's in the afternoon there, and they're uh, they're watching us. I'm sure online, so we appreciate them. And we will, we really will appreciate them getting back. Amen. Miss them. Part of the body. Amen. Part of the body. Also, we had a wonderful Bible study last night. We're going to cover some things today that that we had talked about Wednesday night that we covered in the Bible study. I uh, had several questions. One of the questions was about the horse forehead. And we're going to try to, and, it's, and it does have something to do with godliness and being closer to God are being further away from God, right? So, um, and we had, uh, we got a few more questions that that we didn't get to. Uh, we appreciate your attendance. We appreciate you coming. It's uh, it's just a wonderful time when you can sit down a couple hours and you can talk about, somebody has a question on the heart, and you can, you can talk about that and, and converse back and forth. But we'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, remember this afternoon after the second service, we'll have cake and ice cream for my birthday. It'll be tomorrow as brother ryan says communion will be next sunday not this sunday because of that father's day weekend will be saturday september the 7th september june the 17th 
and we'll give you more information a little bit later. Saturday the 24th will be a prayer meeting at 7 o'clock because the next weekend or the July 1st and 2nd weekend will be our annual um, meeting, anniversary meeting. Uh, Brother Joel Forney will be here Saturday, and Brother Mike Altig will be here Sunday. Only be one service on Sunday, and I'll get back with you on the time from July the 1st. i got to talk to Brother Jewel. I haven't been able to get in touch with him. Also remember, downstairs, July 14th, 15th, and 16th, if you're going to go with us, you need to put your name down so we can start getting rooms. All right. And also, Brother Aaron's gone today, but he'll be preaching on Wednesday night. So let's just keep these things in prayer. Let's, uh, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord, thank you for the day that you give us. It's Sunday. It's resurrection morning. Father, may they be, as Brother John said, a renewing of our mind, a true resurrection, a resurrection of the truth in our hearts. And Lord, may it not be that we're conformed to this world, but that we're, that we're renewed, Lord, by your mind coming into us and us being a part of you as we are worshipers. We worship you, Lord, today. We worship you in song. Now we're going to worship you in word and deed, as the Bible tells us. Father, be with the ones that are sick, Sister Frieda and different ones, Sister Johnny, Sister Mary, different ones that are not here. We pray that you'd be with them and give them strength, Father. We'd love to see them here in service. And, Lord, I know they want to be here too. So I pray that you'd raise them up, Father, for your honor and glory, Lord, and help them with their situations. Lord, I pray that you'd be with us now in the furtherment of this service. Forgive us of our sins and give us a blessing today that we cannot contain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's part 109. We're still on the Son of Man, but we're on godliness. And then we'll talk a little bit on brotherly brotherly kindness because brotherly kindness is going to be a little, uh, maybe a little lengthy and a little touchy on certain some things, but that's okay. That's the last one right before we get to to the, the Holy Ghost sealing us in, all right? So we want that. That's what we want. We want to come to the statue of perfect man. We don't want to just have this as, uh, as a meeting today and we're just going to meet and we did our duty and we're going to get done with the service and go to the house, all right? <clears throat> You're wasting your time if you do that, amen? In the beginning was the Word, Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Second Peter 1, that's where we've been with our thought. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. Now remember, we're going to get back to that when we go to that interval part. Look at that word add, add to your faith. Faith is not an add. You're adding to your faith. All right, so you're adding to your faith, all right? And to knowledge, temperance, to virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and brotherly kindness, charity. And it continues on and says, if these things be in you abound, it'll make you that you'll be what? Prosperous, as Brother John was talking about. The natural part, it does meld with the spiritual part. Uh, there, there's, if you have chaos in your life, then you probably got a little chaos in your spiritual life. Hello, somebody. Amen. All right, so you may be seated in the Lord. I have blessing to the reading of the word. And we'll get into that just a little bit because we were talking last night about the, about the horse forehead. And it's kind of a strong word to use, but it's in the Bible. All right, is everybody with me? It's in Jeremiah. We'll read it in just a little bit. But I kind of went over it Wednesday night. And, 
And if you if you weren't here Wednesday night, I would appreciate if you'd listen to that one again because it really did help me, and some of you said it really helped you uh, that were here uh, to know what godliness is. Godliness is something that we put like on this great, huge, tall mountain, and we can't get there. We ain't good enough. You ain't good enough. I ain't good enough. You know, we went through our whole life. You ain't good enough. And then if you try to tell, talk to somebody, that's the first thing they said. You ain't perfect, and I ain't perfect. Well, we know that. But we can live closer to God than the world, I hope. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of this world. All right? <clears throat> so that's come to a place. And two, there was a, there was a little question last night. <clears throat> we were talking about babies, and I want to cover that in just a minute, too, because it does help us in all this. Um, going up the statue of perfect man, you, you've got to be born again, and you got to know that you're born again. You got to know the difference in being born again and being saved. All right. First Timothy three verse sixteen says, "Look, without controversy." So when we talk at the toward the end of this, you're going to see the mystery of godliness. Where is it? It's a mystery to the world, but it's not a mystery to me and you. We know where to find godliness. It's in the true Bible, the true Word of God, and in the message of the hour if you'll live it through the Word of God, not just say, I'm a message believer, I don't cut my hair, I don't smoke, I don't... Okay? So without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Why? Because the people in the world are going to say, you can't be like God and I can't be like God. All right? But the mystery is that we can't. And God told us he'd be with us in John 17. He didn't, tell, he didn't tell us he'd take us out of the world. He'd tell us how to live in the world. All right? As we were talking last night, you can't, you can't not rub shoulders with the world. You can't put yourself in a bubble. You can't put yourself on a mountain somewhere and, and be a prepper and think you can live off of uh, your own self. And, but that makes me godly. No, it doesn't make you godly. It's another word for that. But without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Now, we know it's talking about Jesus, but who else is talking about? Me and you. Me and you can do this. Justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preaching to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in the glory. You know, that's exactly what we're doing now. We're preaching to the Gentiles. Believed on in this world, and we're going to be received up in the glory. We're going in a rapture. Amen? This is the whole part of this that we're looking at. We're going to take a rapture, as we were talking about last night. All right? <clears throat> so that word is, is strife or dispute or, or quarrel. So without controversy, without any quarreling, we're going to talk about today the, how to get godly and do it without being some, you know, Superman cape and, and all that stuff that you got to put on. All right? Remember, Superman did have a weakness. All right, at kryptonite. Well, our weakness is sin. But we will prevail because we're not Superman. All right? We're God-man with the Superman in us. All right? So this plan of redemption that we, we were kind of touching on last night, and I'll tell you some of the things that we were talking about. We were talking about babies going to heaven and, and coming to the age of accountability, and will they go into rapture? <clears throat> and I kind of thought I would go over it just a little bit more. Um, got a call uh, that was still questioning it a little bit. But last night we were talking about if you take a child and say Jim and I have a child and, and it doesn't come to the age of accountability, it can't be 
it's covered under this great plan of redemption, okay? All right? But we've got to see categories in that great plan of redemption. Everybody with me? All right? You can be saved and not born again. But you can't be born again and not be saved. All right? One more time. All right? You can be saved and not born again. Two different words. But you can't be born again and not be saved. You've got to come through that process of salvation. But saved does not put you in a rapture. Saved will not put you in a rapture. Saved will not put you in bride. The only way you can be bride and come up in the first resurrection is to be born again in your soul before you die. Some of these people can be saved under the plan of redemption, pass away but they and be given eternal life, but they're not bride. They're not coming up in the, in the first resurrection, and they'll not live in the new city. But they'll be saved because the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Okay? There are millions and billions of people that get saved. Everybody with me? But now, to continue on as that, you get the Baptists say, once saved, always saved. Well, Brother Brown, he didn't believe that, neither do I. But I do believe once born again, always born again. All right? You can lose. See, that's where people, you can lose your salvation, but you can't lose. Listen. You can't lose that new birth in your soul. You can be saved today, and you continue on, and you go back doing the same thing you were doing before. Don't work. That brother Donnie said, don't work. You didn't go on to just to sanctification. You didn't go on to the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. But now this is all covered under the plan of redemption. So if a baby dies before the age of accountability you could consider them saved because they're saved under the blood of jesus christ all right and they're given eternal life they're not born again everybody with me all right they're not bride they're not gonna live in a new city sorry it's just that's what i was telling them i want my kids not just saved i want them filled with the holy ghost i want them doing things in church i want god to bless them as bride not just barely get them by by the skin of their teeth. But you know what? I'll take that. I'll take that. That means I'll get to see them for an eternity. All right? But the Bible says you'll be there with your offsprings in the millennium. That means somewhere down the line they got to get the new birth, not just a deathbed confession, which that is saved. Everybody okay with that? Does everybody understand? That's kind of what we were talking about last night. But you can be saved. And not be born again. But you can't be born again and not be saved because the saved part starts you on your journey. All right? Now, if you're saved and God... Listen, this is all left up to God. We were talking about last night. Brother Brown said God's infinite, omniscient, omnipresent. He knows everything. So before you get here, he's going to know that you're just going to come to salvation. And, And then you're... You know, it's not just like we were talking about last night. You don't just get this good feeling or or, or, or get caught... Find Jesus in jail. Then when you get out, you leave him in the jailhouse. Amen? Seen it seen it hundreds of times. I've seen it stick, but I've seen that. Now listen, if, they, if they're truly repentant and saved, 
If they die somewhere quickly there, it's got to be left up to God. But they will not go into rapture, and they're not considered born again, and they're not in the sixth dimension. All right? So this great plan of redemption is that where everybody's covered under a redemption plan. We've been talking about the plan of redemption for a long time. Everyone is covered under that. Now, whether you accept it or not is your business. Okay? But now the Bible tells us when we come to the knowledge of the truth, there's no more sacrifice for that. All right? So when you come to the knowledge of the truth, you sit in this church and say, well, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I'd be careful. You've been taught different. You've been taught to go through the three stages. You've been taught that you the saved cuts off your past sins and puts you, what, in line to be born again, but you're not born again yet. All right? But God knows by foreknowledge, according to Romans 8, according to Romans 8, according to everything else, God knows who's going to make it up to the statue of perfect man. Therefore, he puts it there, puts you in a place to get it. That's what we were talking about last night. You've got to remember, he has to put you, God's obligated to get you here. You're not. You have no choice. We talked about this a couple Sundays ago. You have no choice to get here. But God got you here through permissive will, through your parents. And the other question last night was, and somebody asked Brother Branham about illegitimate children. Could they be saved? In other words, could they go into rapture? Well, we just kind of broke it down again. And and um, you take this over here, and you see that, that when we look at bastard children in the Old Testament, that was so hideous, the prophet said. The Bible says four generations, or ten generations, 400 years. So Brother Brown said, great, 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 great. He named a bunch of great grandkids. Couldn't go to church because of that one act of adultery or fornication or living together before you're married and producing a child. That child, under the blood of bulls and goats, he had to bear that, or she had to bear that burden. Of what their mother and father did. Now, me and you, uh-uh. we're on this side of Calvary. The blood of Jesus Christ, I don't care. If you come to the age of accountability, you give your heart to God, you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in your soul, you're just as eternal as God is. God doesn't hold that against you. He can't because he can't remember it. So praise God. Don't worry about it. If my mom and daddy was... Count the years back and make sure they were married. You know, you know. You have to be careful sometimes. When you say, "I was born so many years," and you look at your kids, and your kids are twice, you know, two years older than that. And you go, so, but it makes you think, you know, because you know what we're humans. That's the first thing we think. We go, oh, something happened. Well, you know what? It wasn't the kid's fault. Never fault the kid. God doesn't fault the kid. Now, when that kid comes to the age of accountability and he gets up 12, 13, 14 years old and he looks back and says, well, I can't make it because I'm a bastard child. No, no, no. He's been taught wrong. You tell him or her. They have just as much opportunity as I do and you do that were born under holy wedlock to make it as anybody else. All right? Is everybody with me? That ought to settle a lot of it for, for, for a lot of people. Because they're all covered under the plan of redemption. God knew that. He knew that. 
For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, over whom he did what? Predestinate. Them he called. And whom he called, them he justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. The call for John Wesley was, was to live a sanctified life. A little bit higher than Martin Luther. All right? Then the Pentecostals come along, and they are required, are predestinated to stay in the plan of God. You have to be predestinated to that plan. But it's by choice. He saw your choice. He saw what you would need. He saw today what you would need. You would need a certain word, and that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, maybe this evening we'll talk about that as good seed going into the good ground. We talked about it a little bit last night. Because what is the seed? The seed is the word of God. Today you came to receive the seed word of God. Now what you do with it is your business. If it come from God, I'm telling you, if this came from God today, it's going to strike your ground, your earth. And then what you do with it, it's going to determine how good it's going to be for you tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Everybody with me? All right. Didn't the Bible tell us? The Bible tells us how dreadful it is to be in this place. The house of God. It's for correction. But for me, when I come, I want deliverance. I want to know what I did wrong, and I want somebody to expound on it so that I can quit doing what I was doing before. Is that not what you're here for? All right, we ain't come to that kind of perfection yet, but we're getting there. Brother Brown talks about the basis of free moral agency. You can turn it down or accept it. So I'm not going to have to read these quotes over again. I've read them three or four times. We believe that you have a choice. In what you're doing today, you have a choice. All right? By a free moral agency, and as we were talking about last night, moral you see that word moral? We just kind of say free moral agency. Moral is the morality. And then we're going to talk about a horse forehead in just a minute, Brother John. We, I'll expound on it a little bit more from last night. Because sometimes you do. You throw out that word, and it's kind of a harsh word. And, and, but there's a meaning behind it. Because if the Bible says it, I'm going to be able to say it. Well, in other words, I didn't make that word up. Brother Brown didn't make the word up. The word was in the Bible already. And Jeremiah was talking about a country or a, a, a nation called Israel. But guess, remember what, though? You and I are spiritual Israel. So we have to take the, the good and the bad from the Old Testament. See, the Old Testament was given to tell you, give you, to condemn you. Remember Brother Bram said, get you in the pawn shop, but couldn't get you out. Grace is what got you out of the pawn shop. Coming over to the New Testament... And the blood of Jesus Christ, but it didn't take away you being your free moral agency. It didn't take that away. You're still free. Morally, you're the agent or agency to decide yes and no. As Brother John was talking about, you know, you listen to God's no's and you better listen to them. Them's the best yeses you'll ever get. If he says no... See, remember, God's infinite. He knows that if he lets you go down that path, what will happen to you before you think, Brother John, this is the best job. This is what I need to do. This is where I need to go. I need to live in this $500,000 house, not this $150,000 house. And you know what? God will just let you go if you, don't re- if you really 
just want to go. You just push your way right through it. And it'll be a disaster. All right? I love what Brother John's bringing because it molds Christianity and your, and your natural life because the Bible tells us here in Peter that this stature of a perfect man is pertaining to life and godliness. We'll read that in just a minute. Your life and godliness. All right? So we're, it's attached. You can't, like we were talking about last night, uh, you know, the Bible says, you know, like flee from this and, and from such turn away. That doesn't mean that if, if you, you know, if you work in a group of heathens and they're all a bunch of heathens and they curse and drink and smoke and you're the only Christian in the group, well, I'm going to quit this job because, I, you know, I, the Lord told, no, God may have put you in that job to show them that Christianity can be lived. Amen? So you stay there. Pray to God to give you another one if you want to. But if he keeps you there, as we were talking about dad last night and the several brothers that were here, Brother Collie and different ones that worked at General Motors with him, 1,200, 1,500 people, heathens, they were having church service. And they didn't walk out of the church service being, bless God, I'm taking an extra 10 minutes for the Lord. Right? No. They stayed under the law of humanity, the law of what that um, establishment said you get a 15-minute break. Now, they didn't take 30 and say, well, them 15, we shouldn't do that. No, see, they would have lost. Uh, and I'm going to say this because I'm going to say something when we get to the end of the service. You, When you come to something and you, you're you're held to a position, uh, Brother Dale was held to a position, Brother him, brother Mo, him or Brother Moat were kind of held to a position that they were ministers and they were bringing this gospel and they were, the 15 minutes instead of eating their lunch, they were having church service. Now, what if, what if, though, they were held to this, people would see that, what if they were held to this and then when they walked out in the parking lot, there was Brother Dale and Brother Moat sitting on the back of a truck drinking Budweiser's and smoking cigarettes. Now, that never happened. You know, Well, those of you on the internet, that did never happen. I'm just saying, what if you're held to this position? You have a position. Everybody's going to be watching you, and the devil for sure is going to watch you through people to make you try to fall or to lose your testimony. But when you keep seeing day after day after day, you live in just a normal life, but it's different. It's, it's Christianity the way it's supposed to be. Not some, not some emotion or not some, um, you know, I, and I'll read it in just a minute. We'll talk about the horse forehead. And it really fits with today. All right, that was written by Jeremiah some 4,000 or something years ago. But it's for today. Because I'll read what it is. I, I know some of you don't know what it is, but I'm going to read it to you. And it'll tell you. Pretty much what Jeremiah was talking, or God was doing, talking about through Jeremiah. Brother Bram says, in time of decision, I really like this because <clears throat> this takes care of you saying, well, I can't be any other way but this. God's going to pull me through a tube. God's going to, he's predetermined that this is what I do. Brother Bram said, now you've got to make up your mind. You've got to make a choice. And this may be your last time to make a choice. Now, he's given an altar call. All right, he's given an altar call. But it's working today, same as it did back then. And this may be your last time to make a choice. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tomorrow may be too late. God might have chose you. Now look, God chose everybody to eternal life. 
God would that all be saved. Amen? Amen. We know he just died for the bride. We know he just died for certain people. But, But before that, Jesus knew he was there for a purpose and only a certain group of people would have it. But God the Father, even from the Old Testament all down, he said, hey, I'll give eternal life to whoever wants it. All right? Believe in my son. Believe in the Jesus Christ. God might, God might have chose you to eternal life. Now you think, man, if God chose me to eternal life, I'm some of this great something and I'm bride and I'm this and I'm that. God might have chose you to eternal life, but if you don't make up your mind and accept it, somebody else will take your place. Amen? Somebody else will take your place. That's kind of a wow quote there. Wow. Somebody else will take your place? Yeah, I can see that. Because God's going to move on. If you don't want to move with him, you're here. He's he's going. He's going to find somebody. Come on, people. He's going to find somebody that will worship him right. He's going to find somebody that says that ain't nothing but the truth. Every word of God is right. That's what we're talking about when we talk about godliness. It's not something that we live sinless perfection. There's no way you can do that. Prophet of God tells us, he said, this thing will be sticky until the change. You've still got that nature you've got to deal with that you were born in the world with memories of conscious faith and imagination. But the Bible tells us in Philippians, through Paul, that you may be what? Blameless and harmless. We blame ourselves every day. When we're going to get to see, though, that God doesn't hold that the same way we hold it. The sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst, in other words, let me rephrase that, in the midst of rubbing shoulders with the world, are a perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's why Genesis 17, when he's talking about Abram. Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to Abram. He wasn't even Abraham yet. And he said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou complete. Be thou perfect. In other words, Abraham, do what I ask you to do. And he did. All right? So look, that means one who lacks nothing in physical strength or beauty. Sound or wholesomeness. Complete, look. Morally innocent. Try that in the end time. And having integrity. Like I said before, if you've got a position, that's why I always say, if you've got a position in this church, you should be at every meeting. You should be at every function. You, why? Because people are looking at you. And if you're not there and you're supposed to be on this position right here and you're not there, you lose all credibility. All credibility. So if you don't want that position, you can give it to somebody else. Uh, just simple as that. All right? One who is morally and ethically pure. Now watch this. We looked at the, how are we going to get this? We're going to get it through the fivefold ministry. We're going to get it through preaching. We're going to get it through, the Bible tells us in Ephesians, the perfecting of the saints. All of us together. Which means completely furnishing, not making you a God zombie, as I was talking about the other night. It's not something that, you know, you got, you're this robot, you're this artificial intelligence, and it's just all God. We're coming to that. We will be that when we get on the other side. But we're on this side today. We're still dealing with the born in sin part, the, the shaping in iniquity part, 
Everybody with me? But we're going to realize one day that that's got to come out of us and overtake that part that mom and daddy brought here. Who's our worst enemy? Yourself. I am my worst enemy. So don't blame others. Blame yourself. Second Peter 1 says, According as he is divine power, this is where we've been reading on Statue of Perfect Man, he's given unto us all things that, look, pertain unto life, and godliness. So it's your life that you live, as Brother John's, you know, molding that into your life um, with finances and all that. Then, uh, you know, we should check up financially in our in our financial world and in our spiritual world. All right? <clears throat> and we should learn, listen, we should learn to sleep well on Saturday night so that you don't sleep well on Sunday morning. I'm sorry, I'm boring, I'm, I'm not dynamic. If you want to find somebody that's that, you just bring them on and we'll, we'll just we'll pump you up. But you know what's going to happen? When they leave, you're just going to go back to what you were unless you decide to change. Unless you decide to hang on every word like it's the last sermon you'll ever hear. And I need that to get to heaven. Then you'll, then you'll keep yourself awake. It is hot up here, though. Aaron's not here to regulate the... The uh, the heat or the cool part. But this whole thing pertains to life and godliness. So we're not just coming in here and saying, we're just going to be the godliest people in the world. Listen, if you'll live like that, let God live through you like that, amen. But don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to stick peacock fe- I mean, yeah, peacock feathers in, in if you're still a buzzard. And have y'all seen as many buzzards? I don't know. I must be, I must be, you know, my mail route. It's like going through herds of them and you're trying to, you know, they're in, there's 20 of them on the road and, and they're eating one little, bless their heart, one little squirrel that died and they're all trying to eat him, you know, and there's 20 of them. And when you drive up, I hit one the other day and hit his tail. But have you ever seen that many? You know, they're fixing to eat all these people that's going to die, I guess. I don't know. Whereby are given unto us exceeded, they're ugly too. Great and precious promises that by what? These promises that we're talking about today, you might be partakers of the divine nature. Now listen, that's our goal. It's partake of the divine nature of God, not our own nature. Listen, if you're used and good and yourself is just really good, you need a new birth. You need to be born again. And besides this, giving all diligence, add. And we got to godliness here. We'll get to this real quick. Godliness means what? Reverence, respect, piety towards God. Now, remember, we're going to talk about whore's forehead, but stop just a second. You can't find that in the world today. People are so irreverent, unrespectful, and they just think God's whatever he wants to be, LGB or T. You know? I mean, he's, and, and put them in a pulpit and... That's what we're going to talk about a horse forehead because God saw that, that that's what would happen in the end time. It's just now, it's just now where, where even they have no respect for ministers. Used to, you know, you'd have a little bit of respect for ministers. And I mean, you, I don't go around like Brother Dale says, you know, uh, preachers that used to, you know, say, oh, bless God, I'm a preacher. Put me where they don't smoke. You know, I, you don't do that. But, but now they just say whatever they want to around you. Used to, you know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't curse if it's around daddy or anything like that. You know, when we go to 
places to hunt and all, but after the last couple of years, they just slipped right back in. Listen, you're going to be who you are. You are going today, this day is manifesting time. You've got to. You can't hide it for years. It's going to come out today. Today, you're going to prove who you are. Amen? If you believe that, then you need to look at yourself and say, am I just saved or am I born again? So we get back to the point we were talking about last night. Brother Brown says, look, if you got genuine faith, then put genuine virtue to it, knowledge, temperance. Now, he says genuine. You're moving right on up the line. All right. Fifthly, add godliness. Oh, my. Godliness to be added. What does godliness mean? Okay, looks in several dictionaries, and it means to what? To be like God. All right, pretty simple. But now look, he said, after you get faith, got faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, then be like God. All right? You say, I can't do that, Brother Branham. All right, everybody believe Brother Branham was a prophet? Everybody believe that what he said we're supposed to do, right? He is the final authority, the final voice of the final age. We are, but it's under our prophet messenger and what he said about us and to us, right? He said, oh, yes, you can. Oh, yes, you can. He didn't stumble around. They said, I can't do it, Brother Branham. Oh, yes, you can. You can't do it. Oh, yes, you can. You got to want to. Then he's talking about a few scriptures to read. All the virtue, all the things that's in God is in you. All right? Be therefore P-E-R-F-E-C-T. What is that? Perfect. In other words, complete. All right? You get way up here before you're asked to do it, though. God is mindful of all of us. That when we're babies, we're babies. When we're babies, we can't handle stuff like we did before. All right? See, some of you kids running around outside, and I'm like, man, you know, give them about five or six years, and they won't be doing that. Give them about 20 years, and they sure won't be doing that. All right? But a baby's a baby, though. But that baby's going to grow up. And when that baby grows up, the attitude needs to change. Naturally and spiritually. All these things has to be added first. So Brother Ram has given us the total prescription of what to do. Then when you get up here, he's asked you now to be perfect. Godliness, sons and daughters of God. How many things you could say on that? So let's go back to what we were talking about without controversy. So when we start talking about this godliness, there's no controversy. Well, I can't but. No, there's not a, well, I can't but. The prophet of God said, yes, you can. Yes, sir. It's just whether you want to bad enough or not. Because all that live godly in Christ, what? Will suffer persecution. All right? That's what we're heading to. That's what killed Jesus. They didn't kill him for his good works. They killed him because he said he was God. Isn't that what they told him? We don't kill you for that. We love your healing programs. We love your, your welfare programs where you can take five fishes or two loaves and five fishes and or vice versa, and, and feed 10,000 people. We love that. But don't tell us you're God. And that's the same thing today. Because you get that same thing. You ain't perfect, I ain't perfect. Everything is kind of molded and meshed together in this age. All right? But you and I are told to stand above that. 
Everybody with me? All right. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 32 says, But when we are judged, this is what the scripture we read for communion. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord. Now watch. Here's your separation. That we should not be condemned with the world. All right. Paul's telling them, said, you need to do this. And when you're chastened of the Lord, through a fivefold ministry, through a prophet messenger, tapes and books, ever how you want to do it, that we should not be condemned with the world because we know the world is condemned. The cosmos, the world order. Now, he didn't say take us out of it. He just said he'd separate us. Well, we won't be condemned with the world. All right? In other words, we've been instructed on how to do it. And we read that list on Wednesday night, and I'm going to read it again. Because when we come to godliness, we can't, again, we can't look at our faults. We can't look at our failures. We can't look at the things that, 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 that sometimes you can't help the things you do because you're, I, I, could, I could try to be quiet like Sister Barbara and it'd kill me. But Donnie, it wasn't that funny. It was pretty funny. Okay. It would be a disaster. If I tried to be quiet as Sister Barbara, bless her heart, her car, she was trying to get to church, bless her heart. It's good to see all y'all back again, y'all too. <clears throat> and, uh, but, but I just can't. That ain't me. God didn't make everybody to be quiet. I thought Lenny Yon said, he said, why do you, and somebody asked him, said, why do you sing? He said, I sing for those who can and those who can't. God's given me the gift to sing for those who can't and for those who can't. So I kind of like that, all right? But you got to take that apart, though, and say, hey, now God used this. So let's look at some of these, a list of things. Now, listen, the world is condemned, all right? You with me? Just, just a few minutes. You, you, the world is condemned. We're supposed to be not condemned with the world, right? So now we look at the world. But now we look at the world. Now, as the world looks at the world, it's okay for women to wear pants, and it's okay now for even to wear them in a sanctuary. It's okay for a woman to stand up in a pulpit and preach with a pair of pants on with hair short as mine. That is Christianity to the world. That's condemnation. That will not be fruitful. Oh, it may be in natural things. They, they may preach prosperity and... And, you know, everybody's going to get money if you do this or send me some first, though. Yeah, yeah. But we're away from that. We know that we've been taught that that's not it. So we sisters don't cut our hair because the Bible tells us that it's an abomination. Brother Branham even comes and he expounds and says, if you cut your hair, sisters, your husband has a right to put you away for dishonoring your head. And that's what the Bible says, actually. It wasn't as Brother Branham said it. The Bible said it first. You dishonor your head if you cut your hair. Now, look. So now, what does that do? That separates about 1% of us that don't to the 99% that do, and, and they're covered under their Christianity. All right? But we're not going to be condemned with that if we don't do it. Amen? And you know whether you've cut your hair or not. 
So, but that will be your condemnation because you will be condemned with the world. The Bible says it's an abomination to put on a garment pertaining to man. Now, are, we, are we good here? All right, if you don't do that, then guess what? You've moved over to this godly side and removed yourself from this ungodly side. Because the Bible says it's an abomination to God to put on a pair of pants. Uh, is everybody with me? So you so you've taken yourself and put yourself in the godliness part. All right? Hair dress, actions, manner of life. I hope and pray. Uh, and I know uh, there's some are not here today, but you've got these big groups and big programs in different churches for divorcees. Hang on, I'm not going to bash anybody. Don't get nervous about marriage and divorce. I'm going to make a point. But it's common to them. It's common to not work out your problems. Go ahead and get a divorce, because maybe you're already fooling around with somebody anyway. Hello, somebody. Now, I hope we're not worrying about that in this church. I hope that we don't have to have a Planned Parenthood Are a singles group where they teach you how to worship and love God in a divorce condition. Now, listen, if you're divorced, listen, I'm not, I'm telling you, this is what they do over here. And they call it godliness, they call it helping people because they got people in their congregation that's fighting and fussing and committing adultery and XYZ, and their day you can't get their stuff worked together and they're just going to divorce. Well, uh, let's go back to the Bible. Only one way a woman can divorce. There is no way a woman can divorce a man. No way. Unless he's dead. And that's not a divorce. That's dying and marrying again. So we've been instructed then how to come over into this godliness group and not be covered in this condemned group. Everybody with me? So see, now godliness now... I believe we're living it. I think I think what we're doing is we're living it, but we don't think we are. Everybody with me? We're expecting this great, I don't have any bad thoughts. Not going to happen. But if you see the condemnation of the world and you read the Bible, it says to not do this, and if you're doing it, you're condemned. If you're not doing it, you're not. You've come out of that. Come out of what? Her, that church, that denomination, that whore's forehead. And listen, we don't need an Alcoholics Anonymous program in this church. We don't need a Smokers Anonymous in this church. We don't need a Gamblers Anonymous in this church. But some churches do. Sad to say. That's Christianity to them. We don't believe in AA. We believe in deliverance. Because AA tells you once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. No. You get born again, you will never be an alcoholic again. That part of you is gone. But see, the world kids, they can't think the way you think. So that puts us in that godliness group. Everybody okay with that? I think it's something that's insurmountable so much that when we say godliness... 
We think, I can't never do that. Brother Brown said, what? Yes, you can. If you'll go about it the right way. All right? So let's look at this horse forehead real quick, and then we'll close right here. We won't get too far. We can finish a little bit more of it tonight or this afternoon. All right? Listen, this is a strong word, and I know we got young kids in here, but it's what the Bible says. Because as we were talking about last night, you got to remember, we're going to look at this word whore. It's a little bit different than a prostitute because a prostitute charges. A whore is just a loose woman or a man. Well, you can get quiet, but you need to explain that to your kids if you don't have not already. Because the Bible tells us that in Jeremiah, therefore the showers have been withholded. Look, the showers. What is it? Former and latter rain. Former rain, teacher rain. Latter rain is harvest rain. It's talking spiritual. In other words, I am withholding your blessings because you're doing this right here. Israel, you're my children. You're my wife. But I'm fixing to divorce you. Because you have a whore's forehead. You have went and committed adultery with someone else. And there hath been no latter rain. And thou hast a whore's forehead. Right here. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Bless God. It don't matter what I wear to church. Bless God. It doesn't matter how much I cut my hair. Bless God, it doesn't matter how much I drink. God just loves me anyway. He does love you, but he loves his word more than he loves you. Because that's who he is. You can't, he can't love you like you think he loves you and go against his word. Can't do that. Therefore the showers have been withholding. There has been no latter rain. Thou hast a horse forehead. Thou refusest to be ashamed. Now... Last night we were talking about, I want you when, you, when you think about that word whore, what do you think about? A loose woman or a loose man, someone that can't control themselves, someone that's, that's um, uh, sexually promiscuous, okay? Everybody with me? Amen. All right. Look at this definition. The definition of that word in the Hebrew lexicon is highly fed and therefore wanton. Highly fed, I'll raise it up so you don't see it above the piano. Highly fed and therefore wanton. In other words, can't control theirself. Wants to eat all the time. Has to be partaking of something all the time. And wanton with it. In other words, there's no barrier. Whatever goes, and that's what they're doing in churches now. Whatever goes, that's what it is. If it's a trend, that's what we're doing. That's why the Methodist Church, thank God, there's some, and I believe God will stand for those people that stand for what they believe and keep those women and LGBT out of the pulpit. But now there is a group that says, no, we're pulling away, and that's where we're fine. God, God's good. God loves everybody. Yeah, we're going to find that out when he, when he becomes a just God at the White's own judgment. You're going to find out. How loving you think God is. All right? <clears throat> so Strong's whore means highly fed and therefore wanting. It also does to mean to commit fornication or be a harlot. Because remember, you got to look in the book of Revelations where there's what? There's a mother whore and there's daughters or harlots. That's the whore's forehead. But watch. To be unfaithful. To be unfaithful. 
Jeremiah says, you've become unfaithful, Israel. But the whole problem is, they don't care. They don't mind. They have no conscience of right and wrong. Oh, actually, they don't have no conscience of wrong. Isn't that what today is? People have no conscience of wrong. That's why they'll kill 8 and 10, 20 people. That's why there'll be mass shootings. That's why the, the husband will kill the wife and, and vice versa. Did y'all see the other day that really nice, she's some kind of self-help person or does something, and, and she was bragging on her kid and bragging on her husband. They got her in jail now for killing her husband. Poisoned him. Watch out. But see, that's what the world's got to watch out. See, the world has got to watch out for that. Because that's the mentality of the world. All right? We don't have that mentality. I hope Zach don't have to look at his food and make sure there's... And Lily walks out the door. But you understand... That's what the world is. That's what they always got that worry. You should never have that worry. If you're worried about stuff like that, you need to get born again. So now the forehead means the brow or what? Right here. What's exposed? Right here. In other words, you're forward thinking. So you're wanting, you you eat a lot, you can't control yourself, and everybody can see it. Let's look. Now, Brother Brown didn't say anything about a horse forehead. He just made a. He just read the scripture. But I looked online, and uh, some several commentaries. And, and excuse me for reading them. They're not from Brother Branham. They're from. I, I didn't even put the guy's name down because it doesn't matter. Because I feel by the Holy Spirit, I looked at it through my filter, and it seemed like it was right. All right. This is used in the Bible as an analogy for a person, group, the nation of Israel in Jeremiah's case. Are a church who has broken all meaning of integrity so severely they no longer recognize the damage or the evil of their actions. It doesn't matter what the Bible says about pants. I'm going to wear them anyway. Oh, that's Old Testament stuff. Well, let's talk about the New Testament stuff. The cutting of the hair, the drinking, the smoking, the cussing, um, not coming to church. I mean, people in the world now, I was talking to one girl. She said, well, we can't have seconds. We we quit having second service. And I said, well, because of COVID? She said, no, because people quit coming. About true here. Maybe you get enough first time. I don't know. A church who has broken. Now, church is a what? A body. But you make up that body, all right? They no longer recognize the damage or the evil of their action. And that's the same way with all of us. Oh, that's all right. I can just do this because, all right? It is a relevant term today describing how the average person's sense of right and wrong has been warped from what is natural. Is that not this world? This has led to the destruction of marriage, Massive numbers of fatherless homes and bastard births, 30% to upward of 80% illegitimacy rate in some group. Wow. They just don't care anymore. You know, when I was growing up, 
if if the girl if a girl had a, was got pregnant before she got married, they hauled her off. She got I mean, she was gone. All right, just saying. Now it's just everybody just you married? No, but we uh, yeah we're good. No, it's not. It, God didn't ever make a provision for that. It's still wrong. But we have accepted it. And there's a lot of things, as Sister Trudy um, Collins, we were talking about last night. A lot of this we can't throw to the to the out there in the denominations anymore. It's here. It's things we accept and we let things get by that we usually would not have let get by before. Open and increasing sexual perversion, homosexuality, pedophilia, transvestites, bestiality, pornography, adultery, prostitution, and the sexualization of young children, especially girls. All right? These passages all have a similar context. They were written just prior to the fall and scattering of either Israel to the north or Judah to the south. Each shows a wealthy people. Is that not us? A wealthy people unblinkingly focused on their pleasure. Giving no thought to God, they are casually uninterested in the moral welfare of their nation that is crashing into utter depravity. Shame for sin has disappeared. And that's exactly the truth. Shame for sin. It's no shame to sin anymore. You know why? Because Satan said, well, it's all right. Everybody else does it. I mean, how can you read the Bible? Even even our, our precious neighbor down that lives beside Daddy and him. He said, how can you read the Bible? And let something like that in your pulpit. He's talking about the LGBT because he's a Methodist. How can you do that? It's still written in the Bible. In every translation, it stayed the same. It's an abomination. But they have accepted it. But they'll be condemned with the world. We are not condemned with the world because of our godliness. Because we're acting closer to God than anybody on the face of this earth. Because we've been taught right. The interpreter's commentary of the Bible states that the Bible shows that in the period before these nations fell, think about this nation ready to fall, their societies show significant breakdown in two areas, political and business leadership and family life, with specific blame falling on women. All right? In these passages, the following characteristics are either directly named or strongly implied. Watch, look, rebellion, obstinacy, betrayal, Distrust, shamelessness, and greed comprising an audacious self-centeredness against God and fellow man. Now, that doesn't talk about brotherly kindness, does it? All right? These are not the characteristics of a nation that would bring honor to God. That's not a characteristic that would bring to this nation to honor God. At one time in the history of this nation, the overwhelming majority of people expressed a strong sense of shame when they sinned. Can't you remember that? Amen. Strong sense of shame and, and sorrowfulness and repentance. They ain't got to repent for anything now. They put everything that was listed to be repented of over here, they put it over here as it's all right to do. That's right. Amen? That's right. yeah. 
So that's the horse forehead. That's what that means. It's, it's you have come to a place where you don't care if your neighbor knows you're a whore or you, your daddy knows you're a whore or anybody knows. They don't care. I'm a whore. I'm Methodist. I'm Baptist. I'm Presbyterian. I'm Branhamite. Overwhelming majority of people express a strong sense of shame when they sin. It's, it's, in other words, it don't weigh with. Sin was an ugly thing. And due to this sense of shame, they did whatever they could to hide their moral flaw from others. Now they don't. But he said some of that still exists. The period of 1950s and early 60s, however, was probably the beginning of the end of that attitude. Sin was gradually carried less of a stigma. And the sense of shame has been slowly replaced by a growing boldness of attitude. A flaunting of sin. Now have we come to that? Much of that sense of shame has disappeared from the American psyche. Some remains in a small percentage. Hello? Some remains. There's some grace. In a small percentage of the population, yet increasingly, bold immorality has become the way of life. So that sin is now blatantly committed. Because it's all lumped over here. You can go to church and do all these things right here, and you're fine. No. Godliness brings you out over here and teaches you that you can live godly in Christ. But you're going to suffer persecution from this group as it gets exceedingly bigger. Used to it might have been equal. Now it's heaped over on this side because we just let it go. That's why you can't get perfected by mass and play. You've got to have somebody stand in front of you and tell you what you're doing wrong. You've got to have somebody to preach the gospel to you, to perfect you away from this group over here. Amen? You've got to have that. You know why? Because God saw that's the only way we would get it. And really get it. Civility is becoming a thing of the past. Rudeness and open. Brazen misconduct is becoming the normal way of doing things. This is the kind of conduct the horse forehead pictures. It represents the blatant, audacious sin of the streetwalker who is out in public, openly displaying what she is. In other words, walking through Walmart with her, well, most nothing on in Walmart. Openly displaying what she is, promoting herself, not ashamed, and tempting others to engage with her. The horse forehead represents obdurate practice of sin done overtly with no attempt to camouflage. This attitude is reminiscent of the story of righteous Lot dealing with the homosexuals in Sodom just before God dropped the fire and brimstone on the people of that vile city. So that's what a horse forehead is. It is blatantly saying, hey, Lord, it doesn't matter what the Bible says. This is what my denomination says. This is what my teacher says. This is what my whatever. This is this is what I think. <laughs> this is what I think. No, it's what God says, and that's it. 
That's the whole thing. It's what God says. We're going to put it at that and leave it at that. You love the Lord? So we're talking about life and godliness. We're talking about, uh, we'll get to deity this afternoon. Because listen, the only way you can live this godly life is that something godly must be inside of you. Can't do it yourself because you are that group over here. You've been called out of that group. You ought to be happy that God at least called you whether you come out your business. But if you live godly, you will suffer persecution. We'll read that this afternoon. <clears throat> you love the Lord? I want to talk to you for just a minute on a couple of things just to um, try to get my notes together here. <clears throat> now, I appreciate everybody in this building. All right? I do. And it's because of a lot of you, most of you, I've come to be, I believe, closer to God. All right? Because God puts people, and I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about putting people in your life to help you. All right? <clears throat> And then when whatever happened to, to Brother Dale, that we, we see that he's not been preaching, all right? So I have been given the opportunity to not take over, but to assist in trying to help all of us as a group and individually, okay? And, and, and I'm not here for a vote of doing a good job or a bad job because I know I've done a bad job. But I want to ask you a question. <clears throat> as long as I stand in this pulpit, there's certain things that I like to do. All right? I like to have special meetings. I think they're valuable. I think that if we don't, we become so inclusive that we have no fellowship. Okay? So that's why I have, and I'm sorry if I strain your, you know, your lifestyle. That's why I've tried to have special meetings at least maybe once a month, twice a month, or... For sure, have something for the youth, and I believe it's worked. Um, someone came to me one time a, a year or so ago and said, well, we're having too many of them. All right? Of course, it wasn't a kid. It was an older person. So I, we decided now to do it every other, the third Saturday of every other month. And I announced this, and it's, it's there. I don't announce it 15 minutes before the service starts, all right? I try to announce it three months or two months before we have any kind of special meeting, and sometimes longer than that. Everybody with me? All right. Now, when I go to a church, another church, like, say, Brother Joe Green, he's got uh, always the first week in August. He's had camp meeting 50 years, and it's always the first. There, there's, and, and every person in his church is there. Because they know that's a special meeting. They know it's there to let our light shine or their light shine. And we, we're recipients of that because a lot of us have went. Some of you have not. And that's okay. I, like I said, I'm not here to beat anybody down. I just want us to be aware that as long as we have special meetings, I would like for you all to be here. Okay? Two weeks ago, we had a, felt, we had a meeting with the youth. All right? I announced it two months in advance that we were going to have extra people here, and we did. A bunch of y'all decided not to show up Saturday. 
My wife, hobbling on one leg, did about 90% of the work, and my poor old 80-year-old mama did the other part, and Sister Esther helped some. Now, I don't mean that bad. I just mean they came in later. Knowing we had a special meeting. Knowing we had. And I was telling you weeks in advance we were going to have more people at that than we'd ever had in any kind of youth service and that we needed some help. And a bunch of y'all decided to go somewhere else. I don't like that. You shouldn't have done that. And not just my wife and my poor old mama. But that was a disservice to the people to hear because you know what happened? Some of the visitors helped. Saturday, some of the visitors helped serve the people. That doesn't show good. So if you're not going to back, if you're not going to back this church up, all right, then you need to tell somebody. I don't want to do that on Saturday. I'm not going to be here ever. And then we can decide, I'll hire somebody to help us. But shame on you for saying you're part of this church and then you just run off and disappear. And it didn't just happen two weeks ago. We've had special meetings before and people decide to go somewhere else. Now, like I said before, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just upset that we don't think enough of what we're doing in this church to be a part of it. Okay? And as I said before, if you have a named position in this church, as long as I'm standing right here, you have if you have a named position in this church, you need to be at every special meeting. You need to be at every church service that you can. I know there's certain times. I'm talking about just blatantly not being here. Bible study. If you don't want that position, you need to let me know or Brother Dale know or Brother Terrence know that you don't want that position anymore if you're not going to hold that position to an honorable place so that people look and say, well, where's, where's, I don't know, they're off, you know, at a basketball game or something. Okay? Position. If you don't want it, just tell somebody, I, I don't want to do that. I, I, in other words, I can't be here every first Saturday of every month for Bible study. I'll find somebody to take your place that will. And like I said, it's not it's not something that I, you know, but it is. It's, it's the way I feel. I feel this. And if you don't like it, you can come to me and tell me. But this is the way I feel. That this church should be the most important thing at the time that we have meetings and at the time that them doors are open, do you mind if I tell you what Brother Brown said about opening the doors of a church? Listen, I know vacation, folks. Vacation is only once or twice a year. I'm talking about all the time. You go on vacation. Yeah, vacation is what? You get about two or three weeks. I know some of y'all are retired, but you know what? I do the same thing. Now, when I go to Illinois, you know what I do? I go during the week. So that I don't miss a weekend. I go during the week. I take my own time off. I ain't beating nobody's drum. Brother Dale, same way. We go somewhere and he'd say, find us a church. We're going to church. Even on a Wednesday, find us a church. 
I, we'd find one somewhere or we'd go somewhere. We'd drive two hours to go to church. We went to Kansas. All right, Richard was with us some. It's your desire, though. And you know what? I believe God blesses that desire. But I believe also you come over into this group when you dishonor God. I don't want to be in this group. I don't be like the normal. I want to be like God. God's going to show up whether you do or not. But he, you know what he's going to do, though? He's going to show up in somebody. That's how he's going to get here. Sure, he likes to be here. But listen, God is not effective not in people. You think about that. God's always tied to somebody. You're praying for somebody and God comes on the scene. You're praying for somebody and God comes on the scene. You're studying for a sermon and God comes on the scene and says, hey, say this. I'm going to read something this afternoon where Brother Brown spoke the words original seed. The Holy Spirit told him to pick up his pen and write. Do you know what he wrote? Probably half the people, even in this message, don't believe it. And it was written by the Holy Ghost. He said the Holy Ghost picked, said, picked the pen up. Are we following the false prophet? Are we following false teaching here? I hope not. Please say something if we are. But we ought to show it by supporting and backing up everything that goes on in this church. Because I'm telling you, like I said before, all the special meetings I've ever been to, everybody in the congregation that I know are there. Because they know it's a special meeting, and they know that people need help, and we like to serve the people. I like to be a servant. I actually did Saturday. I served the people, did I not? We took out trash and all the different things we did do, and that's okay. You know what? I don't mind it. I'm not somebody. Brother Dale's never been that way, and I appreciate that. He's never been somebody that sits back over here on his big old throne with his wife and said, bless God, y'all, I'm the pastor, y'all do all the work. No, he jumps in before y'all do. That's a servant's heart. And you know what? That's an example that I try to live by. So we need to what? Practice what we preach. Okay? So just just be mindful. Like I said before, I'm 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 not singling any one person out. I'm just throwing it out. Look, that's the way I want us to be from now on. If you're not going to be here for a special meeting, you need to tell us, look, I'm not going to be here. All right? I, I don't believe in them. I know some of y'all don't. That's why you weren't here Saturday. But that's a youth service. Whether you got youth or not. I didn't have any youth here, and I was here. Because I wanted to hear from God. And you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to see our youth do something for God. I'd rather, listen, I'd rather see the youth do something for God than you. Because we're older. We should be established. We're Christians. But maybe they're struggling. Maybe they're having a hard time. Maybe they're in that transition period of teenagers where they need more support than ever before. And then you got you got the group like Jonas and different ones that are, and, and Thomas that are heading toward that uh, teen years. It's rough. And like I said before, Look what the world has given them. I just read you. That whore's forehead is out there in the school, in the churches, in families. We're trying to get them out of that and put them over here where they can look and say, Oh, that church supports youth. We're going to go there. Just saying.
Let's stand to our feet. I learned, I learned this from Brother Dale. He used to do this before the service started, and it, you could tell everybody's head was cut off, and they didn't even listen to what he said. So I thought, well, today I'll do it afterwards. And then you can chew on it at lunch. You can throw you can throw your maters and taters at me if you want to, and that's fine because that's what I'm having for lunch is tomatoes and, I mean, maters and, and uh, carrots. So I've been trying to lose a little weight. But l- listen, it's, it's pencil sharpening time for all of us. We need to step our game up because you know what? God wants us. That's what that is. That's stepping up our game. That's not just being a numb Christian. Oh, it's okay. Whatever. No, it's a fight. It's a fight. And we'll look at it this afternoon in Matthew 13. The way I'd never seen that before about the seed and where it fell into. Because remember, you look at some of those scenarios and it looks like he's talking about people of the world. No, the Bible says... That that group of people is the children of the kingdom. That's me and you. And that's things that happen in our life that we need to get rid of. Amen? Let's bow our heads. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, if there's anyone that needs to be prayed for or has a need, Father, I pray that you'd just touch them where they're sitting. We pray, Father, that what we said have been pleasing to you, Lord. We've been uh, running it over in our head and trying to get your thoughts, not mine. To help each one of us, not to hurt anyone, Lord. I pray that you would be with us as a church. I feel that we're trying to do the best we can at the time. Lord, I pray that you'd be with each person that has a position. We're going to talk a little bit that tonight. When we come to godliness and brotherly kindness, we need to know who we are. We need to know our position. And as we were talking about last night, Brother Brown said, when the bride realizes who she is, And also her position. What's going to happen? She'll be an invincible army. Because we'll know who we are. And we're only going to know who we are by the foolishness of preaching. We're going to have to all hear the word. We've got to all come up to the statue of perfect man. We've got to all come to the unity of the faith. We've got to all come to this full stature of Christ so that the headstone can come back on the church. And then we will be a powerhouse just for a moment. Thank God you sent us a prophet to tell us just for a moment, even in the darkest time, just for a moment, God's going to speak through his church one more time. And then we're going to be taken off the earth, and then the wrath of God will be poured out on this whole entire earth. But praise God, we'll be gone. We'll be gone in a twinkling of an eye. We'll be in another dimension, and and nuclear power's not going to hurt us there. Nothing's going to hurt us. No harm. We'll have no sickness, no disease. We'll be eternal. Father, I pray that you give us a piece of that while we're here. Let us see that you're working in each of our life, Lord, and the things we do. Father, forgive us of our sins and our mistakes that we make, Lord. Just be with us as we go eat a natural meal and come back today, this afternoon. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the ones that are watching in, the ones that are sick, that you'll bless them, Lord, and bring them back to church service. Father, we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. Take the name of Jesus with me.